Yeah. Oh, first service, I didn't do this. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to be an advertisement for, as Kim said, our church at four. So I'm not intentionally looking sloppy and too casual. I'm an advertisement piece is the reason for it. <laughs> uh, We've been in a series, some of you that are new here this morning, we, we've been in a series now, this is the fourth week, and the series is called uh, Keys to Becoming Fully Human and Fully Alive. And one of the great misunderstandings of people that come to places like this, meaning churches, is that somehow the creator of the universe, he wants to get us together once in a while so that we learn to do some religious things or think some religious thoughts and kind of plug that in as some sort of a part of our life to show respect to him. But when you get into this, this book, this incredible revelation that the creator has left for us this revelation of himself it's the truth about God it's the truth about life it's the truth about us you don't find anything like that what you find is that the creator is loving and gracious and merciful and intelligent and he really wants to help us become who he created us to become and do what he created us to do and so when I use this phrase in this series, fully human and fully alive, it sounds kind of unusual, I'm sure, to some of you because you're thinking like, well, obviously, I'm alive, Randy. I'm fully alive, at least for this moment. And I'm fully human. Come on, give me a break. I'm, I'm fully human. But the truth is, when we look into this revelation that the Creator has given to us, we find that we're not the way that He created us or designed us to be. And there's all kind of little tip-offs. There's all kind of little symptoms. How many of you in the past two weeks have ever been, been under some stress or some worry? Can I see your hands? Now, you and I take, correctly so for now at least, that that's just natural. It's just a part of life. You know, that's just the way this world works. You're going to have some worry. You're going to have some stress. But that's actually a tip-off that something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. We're not fully human and not fully alive. And that's why we live in a world that's full of people that are not fully human and not fully alive, that we have stress and we have worry. Let me go further. We live in a world where there is pain, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, relational pain. We take that just for granted. We think it's normal. We have crime. We have hatred. We have prejudice. We have wars. We have disease and death. And we just kind of think, well, that, that's just normal. There's nothing you can do about that. That's just the way life is. But these are all tips according to the Creator's revelation. These are all tips. It's because our world is full of people that are not fully human in the way the Creator intended and not fully alive the way the Creator intended. In fact, when Scripture says that He looks out and He sees people that are walk, they're like the walking dead. We're spiritually dead, though physically alive. And hence, we have all these things that are abnormalities. Now... The Creator's desire is that you and I will get to the place where we are so sick of these things rather than accept them as being normal that we get so sick of them that we say it just shouldn't be this way. There shouldn't be this kind of pain. There shouldn't be this kind of hatred. It shouldn't be this hard. Nobody should be getting sick and certainly nobody should be dying. We should, we should really face these things because deep inside... Although we've suppressed it because we don't think there's any hope, we have the desires for a different kind of existence and a different kind of world. It was planted there by the Creator. And His hope is that we'll get so sick of this that we will start to seek Him, the only one that can really resolve or rescue us from any of these things. We're supposed to get to the place, he hopes, that we'll realize that we, we are insufficient to live on our own. 
and we'll start to reconnect with him, that we'll be willing to return to our creator Christ in trust and actually become his followers, live the way we were designed to live, learn to live life the way it was designed all over, and in that process become fully human and fully alive. Now, in this series, like I say, we, we've touched on three messages previous to this, and today's the fourth, and we're going to deal with a new key to this developmental process that God intends for us, and it's, it's the key of process. And of all the keys in the series so far, this is probably my favorite one because it's just such a powerful key, this thing that the Creator has given to us, a process. So let me get you started thinking about uh, why process to me is so exciting and so important to each of us. First of all, process is God's chosen method for human development and transformation. The way that God wants for you and I to grow and to develop and become who we were meant to become and do what we were meant to be, it's meant to be through process. Let me go on. Process unites God's purposes and power with man's authentic, what is the word? Desire. And the second word? Now, these are important, desire and effort. In other words, I might know God's purpose, but if I don't desire his purpose, it's not going to be realized in my life. Or I might desire his purpose, but if I don't put effort, it's still not going to happen. How many of you guys have ever made a, a resolution or you've decided, man, this, this is a year, man, I'm going I'm to start eating right and I'm going to get in shape. How many have ever resolved to do that? Okay. How many didn't follow through? You see, effort. <laughs> desire is good. It's a starting point, but it has to be followed up by effort. Process is that combination. Let's go on. One third thing. Process makes, this is the part I love the most, process makes what is impossible now, something that's impossible for you and I now, absolutely impossible, now, not only possible, but what? Easy. This is where it gets exciting and powerful. Now, when I say impossible, I'm not talking about um, doing things that the Creator doesn't intend for us to do or that He hasn't designed. I mean, let's face it. You know, I could decide that I want to be a bird and fly, and I could flap my arms every day, but I'm never going to fly. I could decide that I want to live underwater like a fish, and I, so I start swimming every day, but I'm never going to be able to take oxygen in from water. Um, we know it's impossible for a baby, a newborn, to be born speaking. It's just impossible. These are things. Or, or is it? Or is it? <laughs> I don't share that with everyone. <laughs> Few people still remember it, but... <laughs> no, okay, so we're not talking about, when I say impossible, those kinds of things. But we're talking about things that the Creator has placed within us the, the spiritual DNA, the spiritual potential to do. Things that we were created to do so that we would be fully human and fully alive that right now are impossible for us, they not only can become possible, but they can become easy. Now, I want you to stop right now for a minute and just think about something. Maybe there's something in your life right now, you don't like it, you wish that it would be changed. It might be something about you, it might be some kind of a character trait, but, but you've come to conclusion, I'd like to change this, I, I wish I could, but I can't. Well, process is God's key for you to be able to do what is right now. It genuinely is right now, genuinely impossible for you right now, but not only someday to do it, but to do it easy. And we'll see that hopefully as this message develops. So let's start, first of all, by examining the, 
amazing power of this key to being fully human and fully alive called process. Take you to a book in the New Testament, uh, the book of Ephesians. The apostle Paul is writing to individuals that have returned to God in trust and become followers of Christ. They're in this little city. It's in Turkey today, Ephesus. And he's writing them this letter years after he had planted the church there. He says, when you heard the truth, and by truth he means the amazing message that our creator, our God is personal and he's loving and he has intentional purposes and plans for us and he's merciful and forgiving and he welcomes us back to himself if we're just willing to reconnect with him in trust. He not only forgives us, he guarantees us eternal life in his kingdom if we're willing to return in trust. That's the body of truth he's talking about. When you heard the truth, you put your, what is that key word? You put your trust in Christ. The scripture says that God cannot, no matter how much he wants to, he cannot enable you and I to become fully human, fully alive. He cannot lavish upon us the kind of life that we were intended to have. We will not experience the kind of quality of life that God always intended us to have until we return to Christ, our creator, and trust. Scripture says elsewhere in the New Testament, it says we were made by Christ and for Christ and apart from him, Life never coheres, never holds together, never works out. So, when you heard the truth, you put your trust in Christ, and I hope that's true for many of us, if not all of us in here. Then God marked you by giving you His Holy Spirit as a promise. It goes on. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a promise that we will receive everything God has for us. God's Spirit will be with us until God finishes His work of making us, what does it say? Complete. Complete. Now that's process. It says that God's got a work that he wants to do in us, for us, with us, and the work is to make us complete, which is my way of saying become once again fully human the way God designed us and fully alive the way God designed us, making us complete. So God has instituted this thing called process, and it's a cooperative. God is going to do his part but we have to desire uh, sufficiently to make the effort to cooperate with him. Let's look at another one from the same book in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4.13. It says, this will, this, this process, this growth, this developmental process will continue until we are united by our faith or trust and by our understanding of the Son of God, that's Christ. Then we will be, what is the word? mature again fully human fully alive will be mature but what is mature what does it look like how do I know what a mature human looks like just as what does it say Christ is that's what a mature a fully human fully alive person will look like Christ will have the character of Christ it goes on and we will be completely like what like him so when I'm fully human and fully alive, when you're fully human and fully alive, we'll be just like Christ. We'll have, we'll have the beautiful character of Christ. It'll be that unique you. You will always be that special, unique you that God created, but it'll be a, a Christ-like version of you. Imagine the difference if the world were inhabited by people that were fully human and fully alive, fully Christ-like. There would be no crime, there would be no war, there would be no pain, there would be no death, and on and on we could go, and that's the destiny. Now this particular verse, it, it points us toward God's vision 
for every human life. In the very first message we did in this series, we talked about the importance of vision. You and I will only develop based on the vision that we have of what our potential actually is. Let me give you a little definition that I used in that first message. A vision is this. It's a deeply held conviction of an attainable, we must believe it's attainable, an attainable reality based on God's revelation that arouses passion and focus. If I believe what we read in Ephesians 4.13, that I am destined and I can become mature and become just completely like Christ, and that becomes my vision, the focus for my life, and I believe it's attainable, I will pursue it. It will arouse passion in me, and I will pursue it with energy and passion. And that led into our second message in this series. I can utilize another key called intensity. It's where I now sift my values and I build some priorities so that I can focus on developing spiritually because now I know that I have the DNA, the spiritual DNA, to become like Christ. Every, every person you're ever going to meet in your life tries to be more attractive. Believe it or not, I even try to be more attractive. You know, there's limits, there's limits to what we can do. <laughs> But there's no limit. You got to hear this one, some of you especially. Some of you, some of you have carried a lot of pain because you've never felt attractive for all kinds of reasons, right and wrong. And the truth is, here's the creator saying, you cannot, you not only have the potential to be attractive, you have the potential to be stunningly, eternally attractive with the character of the creator himself. And someday, he promises elsewhere in his word, we'll get some bodies that will match up with the beautiful character that we'll have as well. So tuck that little bit away. So when we look at this thing uh, called process, we see that God's at work to, to transform us. Your life, my life, is meant to be a developmental journey according to the creator's book, his revelation, the goal of which is to become Christ-like. And so this means that you and I have a tremendous potential for change. We have a tremendous potential to do things differently in our lives. The potential's there. It's just a question if we'll embrace the effort with the desire to carry it on. There's a girl in England. Her name was Josie uh, Craven. And Josie Craven was born deaf. And she was deaf all the way up until age 12. At age 12, she received a cochlear implant. Uh, probably some of us are familiar with those. And it completely restored her hearing. Imagine this, a girl who had never heard anything at age 12 suddenly has her hearing kind of turned on like a switch. And so technically speaking, she could hear. She could hear everything. But the other side of it was she really couldn't hear and here's what I mean. What she heard was noise. She had never heard another voice before, a human voice. She had never heard a door slam. She had never heard brakes squeal on a car when they're hitting their brakes. She had never heard anything. So when she heard for the first time, she couldn't sift through it. She didn't know what the sounds meant. She had to learn language. And so even though she had the potential, she, she was now a hearing person. She had a process to go through, and it was going to take time and it was going to take desire, and it was going to take effort. You and I have the potential, if we've returned to Christ our Creator and trust, to become like Him, to change dramatically, to become extraordinary, beautiful people, but there's a process that has to ensue. It won't happen just automatically. 
Wish that it would. How many of you have ever tried to pray prayers? Oh, Lord, oh, please make me just like, like yourself. I want to be like, I want to love like you. I want to feel like you. I want to treat everybody like you. Make me, Lord, just like you. How many of you have ever prayed those prayers? Can you see your hands? Yeah, I've, I've prayed them through most of my Christian life. They don't work. Uh, I mean, it, it's okay. It's the right kind of prayer, but I, I'm always waiting for like a zap, you know, and just to, to wake up and all of a sudden I love sacrificially like Jesus. I don't know why, you know, but it's not God's methodology. And if I had the time, I could teach you so many things about from eternity past, eternity future, why God has instituted process. But I'm going to fight the temptation because it would take a lot of time and you don't want to do that. So I'll go on. So we've examined the amazing power and potential of process, but, but how do we get into it? How do we experience it? How can we start to really uh, see it happening in our own lives? And to introduce that, I want to share a little cliche with you that most of you will be familiar with. Anything worth doing is worth doing what? You know, we probably heard that many times. Maybe our parents, maybe our grandparents, somebody said it to us. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. It sounds good, and technically there's a part of it that's true. But the truth is, when it comes to this business of process, this developmental process that God has for us, there's a second truth that is critical, and it's more important, and it's this. Anything worth doing is worth doing what? Poorly. Because the truth is, when we start trying to do anything new, we do it poorly. The people that play the guitar so easily, and they can make so many different sounds and play so many songs, and they don't even have to look. You know, they just make it look easy. The truth is, when they started, when they first picked up a guitar, they couldn't play anything. They played it poorly. When you first started trying to learn to eat when you were a baby, you know, you, you put food all, all over the place on yourself, and now you can do it and have a conversation and... I, driving, you know, when we first started driving, we did it poorly. I saw this dude the other day. This is the truth. This week, I saw this guy going down the road in a truck. He had his foot. I don't quite know how he did it. His left foot out of the window, the left window. And he's driving. I'm like, yeah, man, now that's talent. That's, that's talent. <laughs> but he started out like the rest of us, driving poorly. The third message, the message we did last week in the series, was one of the keys was Humility. And its humility is critical so that I am willing to do something when I can't do it, when I do it poorly, when I can't do it as well as I want to do, when I take a step forward but I fall down and I have to get back up and I, and I keep failing again and again and I keep fumbling. Some of us know just what this uh, syndrome is like. Like we're sort of locked into, some of you will know this book in the Bible, Romans 7, where I have the desire to be everything that God wants me to be and to do everything he wants me to do, but I find counter desires are built up in me that keep me doing the very things that I hate. And so it's like two steps forward and three steps back, and we can get really, really discouraged. But humility, the other key we dealt with last week, humility will keep you getting up. It'll keep you going, and that's a powerful thing. So... Here's the actual process, God's change process broken down in that same book in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. Here's how it goes. So he's writing to those that have reconnected with God by trusting Christ. They are Christ followers. They are now learning to live the way God designed. He says, so get rid of your what? Your old self. Now your old self, it's, it's all of your experiences, your thoughts, your ideas, your beliefs, 
I could go on. All the things that are part of you, your habits that have developed before you returned to Christ in trust and became his follower. It's all that you developed as being somebody that was sense-governed. You only could see, you only really believed in what you could see, taste, smell, touch, and so forth. Time-bound, knowing I don't know how long I'm going to be alive here, so I'm going to get all the pleasure I can while I can, and driven by fear. That's where we get that, I'm going to get all the pleasure I can while I can because I don't know when I'm going to die. And that creates this, this self that is not fully human and not fully alive. Doesn't recognize the whole truth about life as God reveals it. So here we're told, it's my responsibility, it's your responsibility, and God doesn't tell us to do anything that we can't do. He says, so get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to, the old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. We desire things that we think are good for us, that are going to be pleasurable, that are going to be profitable, but they turn out to be destructive to us ultimately, not maybe immediately, and ultimately destructive to others. So we're to, we're to get rid of that old self. The scripture helps us to see the traits and the characteristics and the habits and the beliefs of the old self so that when we see them and recognize them, we can say, no, 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 that's done. I'm finished with that. No more. That's not going to be a part of my existence anymore. It goes on. Your hearts and your minds must be made completely new. We need to get God's truth saturating our minds, renewing our minds. We have been given by our creator something called neuroplasticity, which means your brain is always in creation mode. When you focus on a certain subject for a long enough time and you try to do the things that are pertaining to that subject, your brain, your physical brain changes. Thought changes the structure of your brain. It creates new neural pathways. You are actually transformed. Your brain is changing. You are changing. And so God wants us to immerse ourselves in his truth, which is why we're always encouraging people to study God's word, learn about it, get in classes, do things like that, so that our minds, our thoughts, our outlook, our belief systems, our values, our priorities can all be changed. That transforms us. Your hearts and minds must be made completely new, and you must put on the what? The new self. Now, where it was the old self we have to put off, that's a process. There's a new self we have to put on. That's a process which is created, this new self, which is created in God's likeness and reveals itself in the true life that is upright and holy. So this new self is going to be a Christ-like version of ourselves, but it's a process. I have to keep putting off the old. I have to keep putting on the new. It's, it's messy, the process, and we get stuck along the way, and sometimes we get discouraged as well. There's a lady named Elizabeth Sherrill, Christian writer, and she writes about the similarity between uh, biological processes and spiritual processes of, you know, the old being shed and the new being put on. She writes about it this way. A sentence in one of the books I was reading on osteoporosis prevention struck me most. Like all living tissue, bone is constantly being broken down and reformed. The words seem to apply not only to our bodies, but to the perpetual Christian emphasis on brokenness. That's our old self. It's broken. It was the word living that leaped out at me. She goes on. It's the living tissue that is continually torn down and rebuilt. As long as my relationship to God is alive, this biological fact seems to suggest that the tearing down process will be part of it. There can be no growth without pruning no rebirth without death. 
So this putting off of our old self and the old habits and the old ideas, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be instantaneous. Nor is putting on the new Christ-like version of ourselves going to be easy and instantaneous. And the truth of the matter is, there's some of us here that have been Christ followers, real Christ followers, maybe for a long time, and we're kind of disheartened by this whole thing. We, we feel like we've kind of hit a ceiling and, and we're not going anywhere. Truth be told, some of us are not just discouraged. We feel really guilty. We feel like failures. We feel like God's probably displeased with us. He's probably maybe even disgusted with us because we keep going two steps forward and three steps back. And we're maybe even tempted to just say, you know, I'm not even going to continue in this. If I can't do it right, this is just bringing too much stress and pressure in my life. I'm just going to give up altogether. And I want to give you a thought on a very different picture of the way God actually sees us when we are in this messy process that's not as streamlined and uh, clear-cut as we would like it to be. How many of you have pictures of your children um, maybe when they first started learning to walk, maybe took their first steps or they first started eating like I mentioned earlier and they're sitting in their high chair, you know, covered in food? How many have some pictures like that? Okay, most, most in here do. Now, when you look at those pictures, I bet you, you... <laughs> look at, look at them. I remember that. You know, you, you get, you're moved. You're choked up. It's precious to you. Nobody could offer you enough money for that. And then you say, oh, you got so big and ugly, I don't know what happened. You know? <laughs> but, <laughs> not really, no, you never say. But here's my point. The child was not very accomplished. The, the child was taking first steps. It was down more than it was up. It was messy. It was not getting much food in the mouth. It was getting a lot of food all over the place. But to you, it was precious because you knew, man, my child is learning. My child's on the path. My child is now going to get there. My child's going to grow up. Far from being discouraged, you were full of joy when you saw your childhood. You still cherish it as a memory. Can you see the father's heart looking at you, defeated Christian, defeated Christ follower? Some of you that you want so much to be like Christ. You want so much to grow, but you just are having such a terrible time getting rid of that old self or some manifestation of the old self and you're having such a terrible time seeing Christ form more in you and you get so discouraged you think that God must be disgusted maybe with you and I believe the vision you need is that far from disgusted he sees your heart he sees your steps he sees your effort and he cherishes it maybe that's the whole message for somebody here today I'm not sure and it leads us right into this next verse that is a critical part of this process. It says, so let us not grow weary in doing what is right. It's easy to get just weary from it. For we will reap at harvest time if, and this is a big one, if we what? Sometimes you get to that point where you just want to get up, give up. You have to have real ex realistic expectations. It's a process. It's going to take time. Some parts we get stuck. Some parts we feel like we'll never get past. But if we trust God, cling to the vision and the promise that he has and the process, believer in Christ, Christ follower, you're unstoppable. You are an unstoppable force. You are destined to be stunningly beautiful 
in your character, something that will endure for eternity. You just have to persevere and not grow weary. Let me close with a fascinating story about a guy whose name I'll mispronounce terribly. His name is Dashroth Manji. And you could probably tell he's not from Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> he predictably is from India. And it's a really interesting story attached to this guy. Uh, he was very, very poor, and the people in his little village were very, very poor. And they lived behind a rather long um, mountainous area. It was about 43-mile stretch of mountains. And so to get to the closest town, they would have to walk uh, 43 miles to go around these mountains. Uh, they, they were more like hills, but they were very mountainous and rocky, very difficult terrain. One time, as the story goes, uh, Dashroth Manji's wife needed to get into town, and so she tried to climb over uh, these, these rocky hills, and she fell and injured herself severely. Uh, before they could get her around the mountain, that 43 miles around, she died on the way. And so Dashroth Manji came back home, and he bought a chisel, and he bought a hammer. And he set out to do something that the people around him in the village said that was insane, absolutely crazy, mad. He decided with a hammer and a chisel, he was going to make a roadway, a pathway through this mountain so that people would never have to walk around again. It was not very far through the mountain, through the hilly mountainous terrain, but it was just difficult. So Dashrath Manji, this is what he finally did. He accomplished it. This thing was 30 feet high, 25 feet wide, 360 feet long. Not very long, but long when you had to walk around 43 miles. And it took him 22 years. 22 years. He worked a regular job just like anybody else. All his spare time, he went out there and he worked on this thing. Just chiseling, just, just chiseling, hammering and chiseling, hammering and chiseling, hammering and chiseling. 22 years. Now... The people of his poverty-stricken village, they can walk very easily, very quickly to the other side of the mountain, to the town. They can get whatever services they need. And nobody, he wanted it so that nobody would ever suffer again because they couldn't get into town quick enough. They called him mad. They called him ridiculous and insane. But now he's famous. He died in 2007. He's quite famous. But the truth of the matter is, it'll only take one more generation, and nobody will even probably remember him or his effort. It'll be forgotten. But it still was worth the effort. Now, now here's where I'm going with this. Picture yourself as a block of granite, okay? And God has now given you the vision of what he wants to sculpt, and he wants you to work with him to sculpt the Christ-like person that you have always been destined to be and with it comes the christ-like lifestyle that will bless you elevate the quality of your life and bless everybody that comes near you but but you but me we've got to take the hammer and the chisel and follow god's vision and god's process and it might take long and it might not be easy but it absolutely is worthwhile so, the first thing to consider is this. Maybe you are like I first described when I started the message, somebody that's just sort of taken for granted that stress and anger and hatred and prejudice and violence and crime and, 
and death and pain and all these things are just normal. It's just part of life. You just accept them. But that's not what the book says. God says in his word, these are indicators that we are not fully human and not fully alive. And he intends to shorten the time span on these things. And so maybe, maybe for the first time, you need to consider returning to your creator, Christ, in trust, becoming his follower. Everybody's following somebody. We're either following ourselves and our own ideas or we're following some other human. Why not follow Christ, the creator of the universe, and the one that loved us enough to come down to this planet, live 33 years, and then sacrificially give his life on the cross to prove to us the depths of his love for us. Maybe for some of us, that's the start of your process by returning to Christ in trust, becoming his follower. And then others of us, maybe you know, you, you, you sense it, you feel it. God's telling you this day, you've got to pick up the chisel. You've got to just get at it. You've got to keep at it. Some of you deeply discouraged, and he's telling you, don't be discouraged. I see your effort. Keep going. You'll reap the harvest if you don't give up. And he's here today just trying to inspire you and cheer you on. Whatever decision might be appropriate for you, don't waste this time. Don't waste this moment. We don't have many moments like this, folks, in truth, where our hearts are tender and open and in touch with the spirit of the creator and where we see things clearly with a, an accurate, wide perspective, an eternal perspective. So if you're moved to make some decisions today, make them, stick with them, you'll be glad that you did. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that we are not alone in this universe. Mankind is not left to our resources. Your kingdom will come. And your will will be done on this very earth as in heaven. Uh, may that be soon, Lord Jesus. And may your spirit have his way in each of our hearts that we can become the beautiful versions of ourselves that you always created us to be and to be the blessings to others that you create us to be. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. My feet have frozen on this middle ground. The water's warm here, but the fire's gone.